0: Chapter 3 There are many dangers for an andalite in human morph. For one thing, there is the constant danger that you will fall off your two legs. The slightest push and you can topple over. But worse by far is the danger of taste. Taste is the sense that can drive an andalite mad. Especially if it involves cinnamon buns or chocolate. From the Earth Diary of Aximili Eskoroth Isthil. By the time Marco and Prince Jake had half-dragged, half-carried me out of the theater, I was calm again. We emerged into a brilliant sunlit area where vehicles are parked. Okay, I think we have learned a lesson here, Prince Jake said. No chocolate for Axe. Chocolate? Choc? Chocolate? I said, trying out the word. The brown globules are called chocolate? What about the brightly colored pellets? Actually, the globules are called raisinets. The pellets are M&Ms. Are you under control now, Axe? Prince Jake asked. I couldn't tell if he was angry or amused. Yes, I said shakily. I... The flavor! It was just so wonderful! Cassie and Rachel emerged from the mall behind me. They watched curiously, but kept their distance. As always, we were careful not to appear to be a group. The controllers are everywhere. Suddenly, I heard a thought-speak message. Hey, you guys. Was the movie that bad? It was Tobias, on patrol far overhead. Of course, no one could answer him. Humans can use thought-speech only when they are in morph. And since I was in a human body, I too was restricted to spoken language. There's kind of a thing going on. Tobias said Just around the corner from you Some guy's staggering around and screaming at the top of his lungs Cops are coming fast I'm pretty sure I heard the word yerk He's headed your way Just then, I began to hear it too It was a human shouting in a loud, hoarse voice Over there, Marco said tersely A man appeared He seemed to be having difficulty standing up He leaned against the outer wall of the store and staggered forward. Humans stared at him and moved away. Listen to me! Listen to me! He cried, looking around wildly. They're here! They're here! They're everywhere! The Yurks are here! My human body felt as if it had been jolted with electricity. Human bodies become very tense when surprised. I could see that Prince Jake and Marco were having the same reaction. I heard sirens wailing and drawing closer. What do we do? Marco asked. Prince Jake turned quickly back to Rachel and Cassie. He made a gesture with his hands. Split up, he said. They're here! The man cried. Ah! 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 He suddenly clapped both his hands over his left ear. Got you! Got you! Die! Die! He's a controller, I said. The Yurk in his head is dying. Jake met my gaze. I know, he said. Been there. I nodded. Jake had been made into a controller, though only for a brief time. We had been able to imprison him and starve the Yurk. Yerks live in the brains of other species, but every three Earth days they must bathe in the Yurk pool and soak up kendrona rays. Without Kondrona rays, they starve and die. Kondrona rays are beamed from a device called a Kondrona. Actually, it's a Kondrona wave-slash-particle generator. The rays are beamed and then concentrated in the yerk pool, where the yerks feed. We had found and destroyed the Earth-based Kondrona. Why is this happening now? Rachel asked. It has been weeks since we destroyed the Kondrona. Nothing ever seemed to happen. So why now? I shrugged my shoulders, the way humans do to indicate ignorance. I don't know, Rachel. Maybe the Yurks have reached their limit. It would have been a strain on their resources to shuttle controllers back and forth to the mother ship. ship Maybe something was broken. I didn't think things just broke for you space people, Marco said. Things break, I said truthfully. Break. ache, ake Ake-a. Well, whatever. Scratch one yerk, Marco said harshly. The man was screaming now and yanking at his ear. I could just see the slimy tip of the dying yerk as it slithered out of the man's head. Can't we help him? It was Cassie. She and Rachel had defied Prince Jake's order to split up. They were with us now as we watched, horrified and transfixed. We have to stay clear of this, Prince Jake said. But maybe it's finally starting It may just be this one guy But there may be more Finally I expected this to start happening weeks ago Yerks dying Controller's suddenly free and human again He grinned It was a savage look They'll die and their hosts will be free At first people will think they're nuts But when they have 10, 20, 50 people all yelling about the yurks, They won't be able to cover that up Not for long His voice had risen, becoming higher and the words came out faster. He was obviously excited. Suddenly, an ambulance raced up, followed by two police cars, all with flashing lights and screaming sirens. Ha! Marco said. I'm sure some of the cops are controllers, but they can't all be. Jake's right. The truth will get out. This is going to work. The truth is going to come out. The replacement control is supposed to be here soon, Rachel pointed out. We should have seen a lot more of this. The Yerks must have found a way to keep this from happening till now. Rachel is a true warrior. She does not underestimate her enemies. She was not ready to start talking about victory. But the others were all very happy. They believed that many Yurks would die, and the hosts would be free to tell the world the truth. They believed they had won the war. It made me sad for them, because I knew the truth. I knew how the Yerks operated. I almost told Prince Jake right then. He has a special reason to be hopeful. His brother, Tom, is a controller. There is nothing Prince Jake would want as much as his brother's freedom. But I knew this screaming controller with the dying yerk in his head was just an oversight. Something had gone wrong with the yerk's secret efforts, but I knew that there would be no witnesses. I knew what would happen to this poor, shouting human. Jake was my prince now, my leader, but if I told him, it would lead to questions. And I could not answer questions, not without revealing the terrible truth behind the law of Ciro's kindness. Humans rushed from the ambulance and the police cars. Most, as Marco had said, were probably true, normal humans. They grabbed the screaming man, who was still pulling the yerk from his ear. Oh lord, what is that? He's pulling his brains out, one policeman cried in horror. The Yurks! they're here! The human screamed. Die, die, get out of me and die! Freedom! The police surrounded the man and hustled him to the ambulance. It was hard to see, unless you were expecting it. The moment when one of the policemen drew a small steel cylinder from his pocket and pressed it against the back of the man's neck. I can't believe it, Cassie exulted. Maybe it's really going to happen. Maybe people will realize the truth. They have a real live yerk now, Prince Jake said. They can't cover this up forever. Again, I thought of telling them the truth. That the human was already gone. That the yerk slug would crumble into dust. That no evidence would be left behind. But even though these humans were my friends, even though we fought side by side, there were secrets I could not tell them. I could not tell them how a race of parasitic slugs had come to be a danger to the entire galaxy. I could not tell them why we Andalites had to fight the Yerks, why we had no choice but to fight them, why we hated them so deeply. We have secrets, we Andalites, and the greatest secret of all is our own guilt. This is great, Prince Jake said, smiling. Yes, I said, great. Chapter 4 As the sun rose above the horizon the next morning, I stood by a small stream where I drink each day. Rough grasses mixed with fallen leaves and pine needles ran right down to the water. The sun was just barely visible through a gap in the forest trees. From the water that gave birth to us, I said, and dipped my right forehoof into the water. It was the beginning of the morning ritual. From the grass that feeds us, I said, and moved back to crush a small tuft of grass beneath the same hoof. For the freedom that unites us, I spread my arms wide. We rise to the stars. I looked with all four of my eyes at the rising sun. I sighed. This was really pretty pointless. I had never been a big believer in all the rituals. I mean, if you're going to be a warrior... You have to do it, and any Aristh who gets caught rushing through the ritual is verbally reprimanded. But still, I was about a billion Earth miles from my home world. It was hard to see why I should still be acting like a good little warrior cadet. I was all alone among aliens. Who cared if I performed the rituals? I bowed low. Freedom is my only cause, duty to the people, my only guide, obedience to my prince. My only glory. I hesitated. Tobias had landed in the tree above. The destruction of my enemies, my most solemn vow. I straightened up again, then assumed the fighting stance. I, Aximili Escaroth Isfil, and a light warrior cadet, offer my life. With that, I drew my tail blade forward and pressed it against my own throat. Then I relaxed my tail. This was the part of the ritual that called for contemplation. You were supposed to think about the parts of the ritual and ask yourself if you were living up to all of it. The destruction of my enemies, my most solemn vow, that was the part that stayed in my thoughts. I had not destroyed my enemy. My enemy was terrible and powerful, and if I tried to destroy him, I would be the one killed. But that did not matter. What mattered was the enemy. The creature who had murdered my brother. Not in battle, but as he lay, almost helpless. It was the humans who told me the rest of Alfangor's story. As the dome ship went crashing into Earth's sea, my brother's fighter was damaged by the Yerks. He landed in an abandoned construction site. There were five human youths passing by. Jake, Cassie, Marco, Rachel, and Tobias. Alfangor was dying and he knew that Earth was now defenseless. He told the five youths about the Yurk threat. And then he did what he should not have done. He gave them a weapon to fight the Yurks. He gave them the Andalite power to morph. Never in all of history has any non-Andalite been given the power to morph. It's against our major law, the law of Ciro's kindness. Only one other creature can morph. The Yurk who invaded and took over an Andalite body. He is the only Andalite controller. There are hundreds of thousands of Hork bajir and Taxon and humans enslaved that way, but only one Andalite. Only one Yurk has an Andalite body and the power to morph. The Abomination Vissar 3. The humans told me of Alfangor's last battle, how Vissar 3 had morphed into a huge, monstrous creature, how Alfangor had fought to the very end, lashing out helplessly. How Vissar III had opened his jaw and... The humans don't know about it. But if Alfengor had lived, he would have been in huge trouble. He would have been demoted at the very least. He would no longer have been a prince. Alfengor as the great hero would have been finished. The destruction of my enemies, my most solemn vow. I had faced Vissar III more than once. He was still living. I had no excuse... Except that I was still just an Arist. If I were a full warrior, it would have been a total dishonor for me. Alfangor would have had the courage. If I had been killed by Vissar III, Alfangor would have gone right after him. But I guess I'm not Alfangor. Hey Axe Man, what's up? I am fine, Tobias, I said. Actually, I was not fine. Tobias being there reminded me that I had something planned for this morning, and I was nervous. Maybe that's why the morning ritual had not left me feeling calm, like it was supposed to. I was planning to do something very frightening. I was planning to go to school. Not to be too curious or anything, but what was that you were doing? I've seen you do it before. The morning ritual, it reminds a warrior to be humble, and to serve the people. "'Sounds good,' Tobias said. "'Yikes, um, axe. Don't step back. In fact, don't move at all.' "'What is wrong?' I asked. "'Don't you hear that?' I listened. "'That rattling, hissing sound. I have heard it before.' "'It's a rattlesnake, right by your leg. They're poisonous, you know.' "'Ah, no, I didn't know.' I turned to face the snake. I saw it coiled in the leaves. What I did not see was when it struck. It was too fast. Too fast to see, let alone avoid. Luckily the fangs hit my hoof. I whipped my tail forward and pressed the snake against the ground, holding it immobile. It squirmed and made the rattling sound with its tail. Better get rid of it, Tobias advised. But I had a different idea. I focused on the snake. I began to acquire it, absorbing the snake's DNA into my system. You want to be able to morph a rattlesnake? Tobias asked, sounding dubious. It's very fast, I said, and I have fewer earth morphs than the others. It may be useful someday. The snake had gone limp the way animals always do when you acquire them. When I was done and the snake's DNA was within me, I used my tail to flip it away into some bushes. So, Tobias asked, are you still going to go ahead with your get-to-know-the-humans plan? Yes, I may be on this planet for a long time. I should be using this time to learn about humans, even though I think I may have behaved badly at the movie. Tobias laughed. He laughed for quite a while. (laughs) Yeah, I heard about that. You just need to stay away from chocolate. I am not prepared for taste. The experience is very powerful. Perhaps I should not morph into human anymore. Don't sweat it, Tobias said. But speaking of taste, you realize there's this big mystery about you. A big mystery? Yeah, no one wants to ask you because they think it may be rude. But everyone wants to know how you eat with no mouth. "'How I eat?' I repeated, puzzled. "'Well, I have hooves, don't I?' Okay, Tobias said. "'I'll mind my own business.'" We started moving through the woods. I ran at a good speed. I enjoyed leaping fallen logs and dodging through the dense patches of thorny brush. I was getting to know this forest well. As I ran and leapt, Tobias flew overhead. At times, he would rise through the canopy of trees and disappear from my sight. At other times, he would flip from tree to tree, silent, swift. In school, during xenobiology, we had a section on humans, I told Tobias. It mostly involved human television programs, news shows, entertainment, music. Music? You mean like MTV? You were watching music videos on the Andalite homeworld? I don't remember what they were. I... I didn't pay very much attention to xenobiology. I wish I had now. A warrior is supposed to be a scientist and an artist, as well as a fighter. But I didn't always enjoy that other stuff, so I didn't pay much attention. I suppose humans always pay attention in school. Absolutely, Tobias said. That's why I'm such an expert on the War of 1812. A war? Tell me about it. I was kidding. I don't know anything about the War of 1812. We're just about there. Are you ready to start? We had reached a narrow spur of woods. Normally, I would not have dared to go this far because it was surrounded on three sides by human habitations. But Tobias was overhead, keeping his incredibly keen eyes open for any danger. Yes, I am ready. Jake and Cassie are coming across the field. Time for you to morph. Time to get human. Tobias, will you? I mean, you'll be alone today, while I'm with the others. What? Like I can't get along without you, Axe Man? I have places to go, things to do, feathers to preen, rodents to eat. Besides, Axe, Jake has already asked me to fly cover over the school while you're in there. I don't know why, but it made me feel better to think that Tobias would be in the sky above me all day. Sometimes I think Tobias and I could be true shorm. A shorm is a deep friend, someone you never lie to, someone who knows all your secrets. The word shorm means tailblade. See, it's supposed to mean a person you would trust so much, they could put their tailblade right up against your throat, and you wouldn't even worry. Sometimes I think Tobias and I could be like that. We are both cut off from our own people We're both alone But if we were friends I would have no secrets from Tobias And even though he was a hawk in form He was still a human And I am an Andalite And no matter how much I sometimes wished for a real friend There had to be a wall between my people and the humans Between me and the humans Getting too close to any alien species is a mistake we are taught that. We may protect them, defend them, care for them, but they can never be deep friends. Hello, phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, your narrator, I like to think of myself as your friend, Daniel. I don't have... Too many things to say here. Uh, I just want to read a quick message I got a couple weeks ago that I forgot about, um, but now, now I'm gonna read it on air. Uh, is it? It is an, an anonymous user from Tumblr who says, "Oh boy, uh, did you? This I get so excited every time you update. Keep up the great work, dude, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I will." Uh, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna finish this series, just watch me, unless K. Applegate sues me. In which case, you know, that would be bad. Please don't do that, Mrs. Applegate. Thank you. Nothing else really uh, new to say, so let's just get into those good old announcements. If you liked what you heard, you can hear more at audiomorphs.podbean.com, or by searching Audiomorphs, wherever podcasts can be found. If you'd like to reach me and send a message like the one I just read, you can do that at audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or audiomorphscast at gmail.com. Also, if you use iTunes, be sure to leave me a rating and review. I really appreciate those. It's pretty cool to get those as well. You could also tell a friend about this. That'd also be pretty neat. And that is all I have for you this week. So I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.